live welcome everybody to our live stream uh we have a very special guest that i'm super excited uh, to have on today um but before we get started i like to start all of our live streams like we do every single time which is to ask everybody to help us beat social media algorithm by sharing this live stream wherever you can and also if you haven't already um subscribe to our youtube channel um and then also to our twitch channel and you can follow us on Facebook. And then this live stream and all of our live streams that we've been doing uh, about every other day now are basically turned into podcasts. So you can follow this Mintcast podcast also on Spotify and iTunes. So welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Manara Muhawish Adli. Um, I will be your host today for this Mintcast. Well, it's often said that a picture paints a thousand words and images have the ability to move people in ways which words alone cannot. And so that's why I'm so excited to introduce our guest today, world-renowned uh, cartoonist, political cartoonist, Carlos Latouf, um, who we have the honor at MIT Press uh, to work with. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us today from Brazil. Thank you very much for calling me, and I'm so glad to, to, have, to, to be here with Absolutely, well, it's an honor. Me and you like talk every day. <laughs> <laughs> we chat every day, we discuss cartoons, we discuss the direction of cartoons, but um, it's kind of fun to have you like on the air today to broadcast this live stream so that people can really get to know you uh, a little bit better. You have been called, uh, you know, been, been described as, uh, a, you know, compared to street artist Banksy, uh, resistance political cartoonist, you name it, you're that guy. And I really believe that's why so many governments fear you. And that's why big tech has censored and targeted a lot of your cartoons, including cartoons that you've done for Mint Press. Um, so let's start just from the very beginning about why and how you became a political cartoonist. Well, in the beginning, uh, I didn't have the intention uh, of uh, making political uh, stuff. Um, I uh, my, my dream was uh, when I was a child, when I was a teenager, uh, was to work for uh, comics, comics uh, magazines like Mad Magazine or you know, uh, Heavy Metal, uh, etc. Or you know, even in Brazilian uh, magazines. But in uh, that time, uh, was very difficult for me to introduce myself to the editors because. Um, uh, it was uh, necessary to be introduced by someone, you know, and I didn't have any uh, influential friend who could make this bridge between me and the editor. So I, I knocked the door of the editors, I show my work, but they, 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 uh, they uh, have a little or no interest on my uh, work. But, um, the only one uh, really interested in my cartoons uh, was the leftist trade union bulletins, uh, the alternative media. Uh, and they um, uh, opened the doors to me and uh, I started to work to them in 1990. Uh, and then uh, this contact with uh, 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 trade union, uh, workers union, I started to, to involve myself with political stuff, political topics, because uh, mostly of the topics in those bulletins was, uh, uh, were political. And um, I started to, to feel myself moved by those topics and then uh, I decide to become a political cartoonist. Okay. So it was, sounds like you were, like many independent people, you were told, you know, not rejected, but weren't welcome until you entered the realm of independent media and alternative media, which is where you really found uh, your calling and you were more accepted for your political 
cartoons. Um, talking about when you visited Palestine and how that really influenced and affected your illustrations of one of the worst humanitarian crises in the modern era. Era, excuse me. It, it, it's interesting, before to talk about Palestine, it's interesting, uh, in that time, in the, in the 90s, in the beginning of the 90s, we didn't yeah. have uh, the internet. So the only way for you to work uh, as a political cartoonist, uh, to have your work seen by editor or news outlet, was uh, a, a direct contact with the editors, the mainstream media. And because the alternative media in that time was very limited. But now with internet, and especially uh, in this uh, this new era of internet, uh, the internet 2.0, the social medias, uh, you don't need anymore any editor, you know, you don't need uh, uh, to beg for attention for the mainstream media, you know. The alternative media now, I see more more uh, strong, uh, more active, uh, especially uh, because they are using very, uh, in a very smart way, the social media. And um, uh, my, my trip, speaking about Palestine, my, my trip to Palestine uh, happened in, in 1998 after uh, a conversation I had with um, a head of uh, uh, NGO, human rights NGO in Hamalah called uh, Palestinian Center for Peace and Democracy. Um, the, the internet in that time was very new in, in Brazil, at least in Brazil. Um, and uh, I made contact with them uh, because they, they had a, a website and I, I contact them more, more moved, more moved by curiosity, because uh, I didn't have any background on Palestinians or I, 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 I used to listen to news, to see news right. on, on TV, but mm, I didn't have a, a, a more, you know, deep uh, knowledge about what has ha was happening in in Palestine, and uh, since with the internet, I had the opportunity to talk to someone in Palestine in an NGO. I decided to send a message and to, I, I made a cartoon uh, and sent to them via fax, <laughs> not <laughs> fax. Fax, <laughs> <laughs> <Back> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, by the way, I love fax. Uh, I would love to still use the fax, but unfortunately, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I uh, I sent the, the, a cartoon I made especially for them. Um, it was uh, a Jewish settler shooting yeah. the back of uh, a Palestinian running, and it was written uh, "Stop the hunting season, stop the killing of Palestinians." And I made this cartoon and I sent to them via fax. And they say, Latouf, thank you very much. We are making uh, copies and giving to people here. And if you are able to go to Palestine, uh, I promise, we promise to make a tour with you around the occupied territories. So I saved the money. Uh, I went to, to Palestine via via Tel Aviv, and I spent around 15 days in, in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, Hamalah, Hebron, Jenin, uh, many parts of the West Bank uh, to, see, uh, the, the, to, to see the real situation of Palestinians. And remember, in that time, I, uh, my intention was to listen to everyone, including the settlers. Because when I was in Hebron, I talked to Palestinian families, and I paid a visit to the to the uh, Hebrew community of uh, Hebrew community of Hebron. Something like this. It was a very 
a large uh, satellite community there. And after spending this, this spending time there and talking to anyone, to everyone, Palestinian, um, to settlers, uh, ordinary people in, in Israel and Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem, etc., uh, I had a picture of how the apartheid was imposed to Palestinians. And after witnessing that situation, I decided to come back to Brazil and to support Palestinians the best way I could. And the best way for me as an artist was to make cartoons, exposing the Israeli apartheid, the ethnic cleansing, and also to supporting the Palestinian struggle for um, uh, self-determination and sovereignty and human rights. And one of the main characters that you depict in your cartoons about Palestine is Mother Palestine, which you illustrate her in many of the cartoons uh, for Mint Press and for Mondowise, because I know you do a lot of cartoons for Mondowise as well. They do a lot of really incredible uh, work there. Talk to me about the Palestinian women that you met in Palestine and how you have been able to depict them in your cartoons that really challenges that narrative about Palestinian women. Um, the, the mother Palestine born in a visit I made to a Palestinian refugee camp in, in Jordan in 2009. Uh, I, I, I made a visit to a, a big refugee camp, uh, March in Allard, if I remember well. And, um, a friend of mine who was with a, a photographer in Jordan, he said, I'm going to introduce you to my grandmother. Uh, she was expelled from uh, her land uh, a number of times. And uh, when I saw her, she was uh, an old woman, but so strong. And uh, I remember, I, I have a picture of her speaking and in, in, in waving a, a cane, you know. Yeah, like holding her like holding it like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, her name is um, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Zarifa. Zarifa. Mrs. Zarifa. Her name. And uh, I thought to myself, this woman, it's like Palestine. You know, she's so resilient. She she's so strong, so active. You know, and when I, I saw that woman for the first time, I, I decided to create this this character because um, it's uh, clear the role of the Palestinian uh, women and the Palestinian struggle, even in the times of uh, L, uh, PLO, uh, with the armed struggle, you 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 had uh, many uh, women joining. Uh, the the army movement, you know, and even now uh, in 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 protests in um, in uh, Jerusalem and West Bank, you can see women, you know, fighting uh, with stones, etc. Or, or even, for example, the 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 girl Tamimi, uh, without any any weapons, just using her body. Pistas uh, facing uh, facing off a uh, 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 Israeli soldier. So uh, it's uh, I have no doubt uh, the struggle in, in Palestine. The, the, the women are a very important part of the struggle in Palestine. Definitely, absolutely, and I think it's so important to recognize that because Palestinian women have, you know, especially within our mainstream corporate media, have been always depicted as oppressed. You know, the, the, way, the way that Muslim women in general are always depicted as oppressed, cannot speak for themselves. But actually, if you go onto the ground in places like Palestine or, you know, in Gaza or even in Yemen, it's the women who are leading the revolutions there. It's the women that are leave, leading the marches. Um, they're the ones using, like you said, their physical bodies to protect their land, to protect their homes. And so um, it's pretty incredible that you've been able to depict that um, in your cartoons. Tell me about 
the reactions and the pushback that you receive for the cartoons, because some of these cartoons are pretty powerful. Um, I don't remember um, what the name of this woman was, but I believe she was at one point the justice minister, I think. Um, not, not just the justice minister. It's a picture of her wearing her dress and she was welcomed in Brazil, I think, the culture minister. And you uh, did this cartoon about her dress and it was showing how her dress was basically bombing Gaza. Um, or even like showing celebrities like uh, Pharrell Williams, his song, Happy. He went to perform it in Israel, but <laughs> you depicted a cartoon of how um, you know, he's singing happy while Israeli bombs are being dropped on uh, people in Gaza. So what kind of pushback have you received for these pretty incredible cartoons? Mina, just, uh, just a little detail about this participation of the women, Palestinian women. Oh, sure. Uh, in a matter of fact, the, the, the women are oppressed in Middle East, sure. Uh, but not only in Middle East, but also in Middle East. It's a matter to discuss how the women are oppressed everywhere, in different levels, but they are. It's so uh, the, the Arab, uh, Arab uh, society is not a section. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, different, uh, a different story, different discussion, you know. Uh, it's not about the participation of the the women in, in in the struggles it's quite clear but the way they also need to struggle to against for example uh the domestic violence or you know this kind of things but not not only in the arab society but everywhere in brazil for example we have yes. Misogyny, uh, domestic violence is a global phenomenon that affects women every single place, every single country, no matter culture, religion. Absolutely, I could not agree more with you. Exactly, exactly. Especially in Brazil, for example, we, we have a very uh, important rate of aggression and even uh, execution of women uh, by many uh different uh, reasons, you know. Uh, okay. Um, um, the pushback that you've received. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I decide to make cartoons about Palestine, because it's quite impossible to talk about Palestine and not to talk about Israel. Right. Uh, even, even if you are trying to be uh, more in the middle, it's quite impossible. Because, right. Uh, there is no, there, there is no uh, uh, Palestinian struggle without the, the Israeli apartheid, Israeli aggression. You know, it, the, the two things are connected. So uh, when I, I started to make cartoons and publish on uh, uh, an alternative media called independent media, Independent Media Center, IMC, in the 90s. I started to make the cartoons and started to publish by myself on, on, the, on this uh, platform. And you had many IMCs around the world, IMC Brazil, IMC Switzerland, IMC Israel, etc., New York, etc. And I used to make the cartoons and publish on every uh, IMC around the world. When I published a, a series of cartoons called I Am Palestinian, We Are All Palestinians, where I compare uh, the plight of Palestinians with other situations uh, uh, in the history, uh, I made, for example, uh, the Palestinians compared to Native Americans, to Black people in South Africa, um, the Vietnamese in Vietnam War, etc. And the last panel was uh, the Jewish kid with a yellow star before the Warsaw Ghetto, a big wall, uh, and saying, I am Palestinian. All, all those characters uh, along the history, they, they say, I am Palestinian. I am Palestinian. 
this panel in specific uh, um, was responsible for a, a, a reaction for from pro-Israel NGO in Switzerland. And for the first time, I was called an anti-Semite for this cartoon. <laughs> in that time, um, it was it was it was shocking for me because I was never uh, associated to Jew hatred to uh, you know uh, any any hate speech nothing like this. I, I was never called racist or you know because uh, m my cartoons were were, were never uh, dealing with this kind of uh, topics usually. So for the first time, for making a cartoon comparing the Palestinians and the Jews and the World War II, I was called anti-Semite, a Jew hater. But uh, I didn't step back because right. I was quite sure uh, I wasn't a racist. And my cartoons uh, dealing with the Palestine-Israel topic has nothing to do with the religion. Of course, religion is part of the discussion because the Zionism ha have, uh, has a, a very important uh, religious ingredient, you know. But of course, in the matter of fact, in the end of the day, it's not about religion. It's not about race. It's about geopolitics. But um, when they try to associate cartoons uh, critical of Israel as attack to the Jews or Judaism. It's a way to, it's a way to try to mix things in the in the in the, in the audience, you know, heads. Try to make this confused for the audience. So um, uh, after this incident, other incidents also happened. For example. Uh, Brian Atinsky was he's a very good friend of mine. Uh, was the Israeli editor of the IMC Israel, and when I published there one of my cartoons about Israel, the police uh, went to his home and uh, and uh, confiscated his computer. And in the middle of the night, he he was caught with pajamas. And this was in and Brazil, or where? So what? Where, where was he? What country was he living in? He he he, he lived in, in Tel Aviv. Oh, okay, okay, in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv, and uh, it, it was the beginning of many incidents uh, where my cartoons were attacked by the pro-Israel lobby present right. the social media on internet in that time. It, it, and of course now. So after that, uh, it was very clear to me the pay, yeah. the price I would have to pay was to be called anti-Semite and Jew hater for making cartoons criticizing Israel. In the first, in the first moment, I was worried, but now, after many incidents involving my cartoons, I. I learned this is a part of a very well-known strategy of the supporters of Israel and the, the Israeli government itself, uh, a strategy to criminalize any kind of criticism towards Israel and associate this with anti-Semitism, to put a label on every criticism against Israel as anti-Semitism. Absolutely. It's a, it's a huge strategy and, you know, for a while it was somewhat successful because uh, this anti-Semitism label basically shut down any sort of um, healthy political discussions and debates surrounding uh, Israeli apartheid and occupation. Um, you've had your, I mean, just like Mint Press, you've, you've been targeted on your own Wikipedia page. You've had articles written about you basically painting you as this anti-Semite. And I think it's so important to point this out because that's how powerful your cartoons have been in showcasing Israeli apartheid and occupation and its crime that it's committing against Palestinians. They're so strong, 
so successful in depicting that and illustrating the reality that all uh, the people uh, that support Israel have left is to use this anti-Semitism card to shut you down. But you have been so resilient, uh, Carlos, to this. Um, I remember actually when you did a cartoon for Mint Press about uh, Mark Lamont Hill getting silenced from CNN and also um, when he got the boot from CNN after he was at the UN and he said, you know, Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, he was targeted. And your cartoons were targeted for depicting him. And another cartoon that was targeted was, um, I believe, the cartoon you did for Mint Press where you showed Ilhan Omar also being targeted by the Israel lobby when she brought attention um, to how Israel, Israeli money is influencing uh, politics in the United States. And when she actually shared your cartoon, she got a barrage of tweets at her saying, how could you share this cartoon from this anti-Semite? It was, it was so ridiculous. I mean, it's like, how about we talk about the real issues, like how powerful the Israel lobby is and how much money <laughs> they're using to to influence policies to to support uh, pro-Israel legislation, um, to silence dissent on college campuses, like you know, uh, prohibiting any sort of support for BDS for the boycott, divestment, and sanctions um, movement. I mean, it, it's really ridiculous how <laughs> how um, the word anti-Semitism has been weaponized to silence dissenters and resistance like yourself. Um, but it's not just Palestine. You have literally stood up to... Uh, but Minar, uh, let me tell you something. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, of course, for me, it's it's clear, as I say, it's a strategy from uh, Israel supporter, advocates. But I think what is more important for those who are uh, being accused of being anti-Semites for supporting the Palestinian rights, it's not to step back. Right. Because, you, because if you decide, if you decide to support Palestinians, you need to be ready for this kind of attacks. And you cannot step back like Mark Ruffalo, for example. Mark no. Ruffalo, uh, had uh, 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 many statements on defense of Palestinians until he decided to turn down <laughs> the rhetoric <laughs> about Israel bombing Gaza. So that's the point. You need to be sure what you are doing. You need to make clear your criticism it's, it's uh, directed to Israel, to the state of Israel. It's not about the Jew, the Judaism, the religion, race, nothing like this. It's about politics. Right. And you need to, to, uh, to, to, be, uh, to, to have courage to face this kind of allegations. Because when you step back, for example, like uh, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who, in my humble opinion, it's a coward. You need, uh, I, I remember, for example, I, I'm going to tell you something. I remember uh, uh, I made a cartoon for Mondo Vice uh, where, in defense of Jeremy Corbyn, in defense of him, and he was speaking at the podium and, uh, about Palestine and uh, 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 a combat plane. Uh, driving by Netanyahu was firing missiles, missiles and uh, the missile was was written like uh, anti-Semitism allegations or something like this. Okay, someone, uh, as many people around the world used to uh, print my cartoons and take to the protesters, someone else print this cartoon in UK in a in a banner and tie to a, a, a fence next to a place where Jeremy Corbyn, Corbyn uh, was having a meeting, a party meeting or something like this. Well, the pro-Israel lobby called the police for the banner and the police went there and removed the banner. It's, it's very nice because 
the, the Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, they are always saying, we are defending the freedom of speech, we are defending democracy, but when it comes to criticize Israel, they don't allow you to criticize. Right. They don't allow you to discuss, to debate. They are ready to, to remove, to, to, to silence your voice. And they call the police, the police remove the banner, the press wrote about that, oh, anti-Semitic banner, anti-Semitic cartoon, as usual. And Jeremy Corbyn, instead to support the, ba the banner, support the initiative of uh, that person, that, that person that uh, uh, tied the, the banner outside, he tweeted, uh, tweeted a message saying he was against the... the the, the, this anti-Semitic poison. He's a coward. He's a yeah, coward. He's, he's always trying to please, you know, not only the Palestinians, but also the lobby. He cannot understand the lobby, no matter what, what excuse, explanation, apologize he can make. It's, it's, you, uh, 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 makes no difference. Because they want to destroy him, right? And he's a very, a very ex experienced uh, politician. It's a shame to see this, to see, uh, to see him attacking someone who was supporting him. So that's why it's important to give the example to others, uh, not to step back. You need to stay and say no. I refuse this kind of label. I uh, acknowledge this is a strategy from Israel, and I, 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 I fight back this kind of allegations. I will continue to make what I make on behalf of Palestinians. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And if you're going to be in this cause, you need to go all the way and not half-ass the cause, is what you're trying to say. Um, somebody made a comment that Mark Ruffalo, um, this is from Abu Haram, uh, Mark Ruffalo is a celebrity Bernie, uh, he's a Bernie Sanders surrogate, sorry, I was like incorrectly, he's a Bernie Sanders surrogate, so he was just following uh, Bernie Sanders' lead. Uh, Mark Ruffalo was following Bernie Sanders' lead when Bernie Sanders made the statement that we need to tone down the rhetoric on, on Israeli apartheid. I just, I've always seen Bernie as a liberal Zionist, um, but like just hearing him even say that publicly while he pretends to care and advocate for Palestinian human rights is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot be objective. You cannot be neutral. You cannot tone down the apartheid when Israel committed genocide. Especially when you are dropping bombs on civilian animals and killing people. Turn down. Stop the fucking bombs. Yes, exactly. Let's <laughs> just stop the genocide and then we can talk about toning it yeah. down. <laughs> exactly. Stop the genocide. Don't, don't ask people to turn down because people are being killed for Christ's sake. So exactly. we need to stop the we need to stop dropping bombs and we need to stop oppressing, brutalizing, torturing, killing people on scores in West Bank and Gaza. And then we can, st can start to talk about Tom down. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have no patience for this kind of shit. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Get my nerves. This kind of things get my nerves. Well, this is what keeps me and you up at night, Carlos, and a lot of activists and a lot of uh, people who... Uh, care about these issues. This is what drives us. It's the, it boils our blood to the point that we are on air right now talking about this. You know, you're creating these incredible cartoons, but especially, especially when you already was there, when you saw with your own eyes the situation of Palestinians, when you spend a time in West Bank or even in Gaza and you, you realize the way Palestinians are being treated along the gates, it's impossible not to be involved. In my, in my case, it's not about reading books or watching movies or videos. I was there. I saw the way they, they live under the, booth, the boots of Israeli uh, apartheid. So... When you, when you have someone very remarkable like Bernie Sanders saying 
uh, let's tone down about Israel. Tone, uh, tone down the rhetoric. Tone down the rhetoric? Are you kidding with me? <laughs> it is quite ridiculous, but um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about some of the other cartoons I've done. Obviously, what you've done for Palestine is incredible, and I know that Palestinians appreciate all the work that you've done, all the cartoons and illustrations that you've depicted for them. Um, I see your cartoons at like so many protests, Carlos, and you know that. So Palestinians definitely stand with you. Uh, Carlos, um, but it's not just Palestine. You've um, you've stood up to governments the world over, in, including Jair Bolsonaro in in Brazil. You've been a target of his, direct target of of your own government. Um, uh, you know, let's let's, talk, let's start with Brazil. Tell us about the, the the political climate in Brazil because Bolsonaro, for those who don't know, I mean, he basically won in a coup. He didn't really win. He was basically placed. Um, as the leader of Brazil. He's a huge Trump supporter. He's been described even to the right of Trump. Yeah. He's a huge, huge pro-Israel ally. His sons are like out in the public wearing Mossad shirts. <laughs> Talk to me about um, the Brazilian government and how, you know, the cartoons you've done and how you've been targeted by them. I've been targeted by so many uh, countries and so many ways i think i need to move myself to mars <laughs> <laughs> um well um, bolsonaro is um, it's a tragedy it's uh it's someone completely out of mind of course he has a political agenda a new liberal political agenda of private privatizations uh, of uh, destruction of uh, institutions. He, ha he has a political platform. Uh, but and he's a fascist, definitely. He's a classic fascist. A different, different from people like Erdogan. Erdogan from Turkey is more smart, is smarter than Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro is, is completely stupid. Uh, but he... Uh, he managed to, to, you know, to kill his own people with this coronavirus pandemic. Because uh, since the beginning of this pandemic, Bolsonaro uh, had, like Trump, le uh, had a, a, a negationist approach. He used to say uh, coronavirus was just a little flu. Uh, I don't want to buy the Chinese vaccine. And if if people are dying, okay, uh, what can I do? That's the way life goes. This kind of things. He uh, gatorade people. He organized uh, 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 demonstrations with supporters without masks. Uh, he, he he had a very confrontational uh, approach uh, in terms of denying the seriousness of the pandemic so uh, we have more than 400 and i i, I don't i i'm don't, i don't know the the update numbers now but at least more than 550,000 people killed by this coronavirus wow. and and counting, and counting and we still have problems uh, with the distribution uh, of the vaccines, especially because uh, the, the the government, because Bolsonaro government, we still have the propagation of fake news about inefficient uh, uh, medic uh, medicines uh, against coronavirus. I mean, uh, it, it's a it's a mix of things. Um, that uh, that are killing people, killing people in, in Brazil. And the first time I saw this, and I think in the whole history of Brazil, we never had this kind of president. You know, we had we had bad presidents, of course. Mostly of them were bad presidents, but this one, it's responsible for a genocide. I, I have no doubt about this. 
And of course, uh, the cartoonists, cartoonists, political cartoonists um, uh, are facing some, you know, uh, attacks and the, the, the journalists are being attacked. And um, uh, I, I have a fellow cartoonist uh, called Arueira. Um, he made a cartoon uh, with a swastika, uh, Bolsonaro and a swastika, and uh, he, he was threatened to be prosecuted by uh, by the government, you know, to apply a, a law uh, from the times of the Brazilian military dictatorship against him, etc. And uh, it's 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 very important to say uh, now that Netanyahu uh, is out of the Israeli uh, government. Uh, Bolsonaro is more isolated because Bolsonaro has as a very strong allies, Trump in the United States and Netanyahu in Israel, uh, because they are fascists. You know, the the, the birds of the same flock, uh, the same uh, feather flocks together. <laughs> birds of the same feather. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, um, it, it's very interesting to highlight uh, this connection between uh, Bolsonaro and, and the Zionism, and the Christ, Christian Zionism, and right. his support for Israel. He made many uh, uh, trips to Israel. I remember Netanyahu came to Brazil uh, when Bolsonaro was elected, etc. And uh, we, we have the, the, the popular base for the, the Bolsonaro government uh, is the evangelical, evangelical uh, Zionists. So uh, the situation is very difficult in, in Brazil. We, we now, now we have a, 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 a committee of uh, representatives in, in the Senate uh, making many hearings with former former health ministers to investigate the responsibility of the federal government, the Bolsonaro government, uh, in terms of uh, spreading the virus, you know, uh, boycotting the, the measure, the, the, the counter measures for countering, countering uh, the, the virus, etc. Uh, but, you know, we in Brazil now are struggling to survive. I keep making my cartoons. I can be, you know, I can be prosecuted. I can be arrested because the, the democracy in Brazil is deteriorating every minute with this government. But the same way I say I won't step back about Palestine, I will say the same about Brazil. I spent the last years, the last decades, making cartoons, for example, about police brutality, which is a very sensitive topic in Brazil, too, and as a topic that cre can create many uh, uh, problems to you, many even drafts to your life when you talk about uh, because it, it, in Brazil, to speak about the, the police brutality is like a taboo, you know, especially because now you have some pa paramilitaries uh, groups in Rio de Janeiro and other parts of the, the country, like those you have in in uh, Mexico and Colombia, and these groups are responsible for killing of politicians like Marielle, you know, in Rio de Janeiro. Well, in Brazil, the police state targets a lot of the black Brazilians, right? Yeah, 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 because. Uh, uh, because um, mostly of those police operations are made in favelas, where uh, the majority of population are black and poor, you know. Yeah. And most people, if you see the records, mostly of people killed by police forces in Brazil are black, definitely. And even the the social movement here used to say we, we also have an extermination process of the, the black people and the poor communities by the police. So when you decide, I 
I, I, for example, I was forced to go to police departments three times along my career for making cartoons about police uh, brutality. Wow. So uh, it, it, it's very complicated. Well, as you see, Nina, um, I love to cause trouble. <laughs> I love to, to be involved in trouble. Maybe I need a retirement. I need to go to the countryside to have some hands, you know, to have some cows, some horses, to sit at the getting old with a cow place. That's, That's the dream is to retire with a, with cows and chickens and <laughs> on your own land, but uh, don't don't retire on us just yet because um, you're doing such incredible work. It's not, you're not that old, but I, I want to ask you just two more questions. One of them is about Turkey because you've really ruffled some feathers in Turkey with Erdogan who, you know, who really presents himself in the Muslim world as this very, um, like the cat, like, like, like the emperor of the Muslim world, you know, and who, who fights for the ideals of Islam when this man is one of the most corrupt individuals, corrupt individuals in the world that has armed rebels in Syria, who steals oil from Iraq, um, who is committing uh, egregious crimes against Kurds, um, who targets journalists. I mean, I think Turkey is like the worst place for a journalist to, to exist. I mean, they've been in, in Turkey under Erdogan's rule, uh, more journalists have been imprisoned there than in any other country in the world. And so um, I'm curious to know what are the cartoons that you've done that have depicted the corruption under uh, of Erdogan um, in Turkey and talk about how your cartoons have been actually banned. I mean, journalists have been imprisoned for printing your cartoons in Turkey. I told you I need a retirement. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, I, I was in, in Turkey in 2010, if I remember well. It's a nice place. Nice people. The Turks were nice people. But unfortunately, uh, they are facing a real dictatorship because uh, no matter uh, you... Uh, uh, read uh, news about Turkey and the supporters of Erdogan, they are always saying Turkey is a democracy, but it's not. Definitely it's not. You have people arrested for holding my cartoons and protesting in the streets or even publishing my cartoons on social media. Mm -hmm. So if someone now in Istanbul or Ankara or any place in any place in 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 Turkey decide to upload to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram one of my cartoons about Erdogan, uh, it's likely to have the 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 awful visit of the police in his house. Wow. And uh, I remember one of those activists, he, 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 he made a picture of him with his lawyer out of the police station and, and, and saying to me, Latouf, we are now leaving the police station. I was arrested because I was holding one of your cartoons in the street in a protest. That's not democracy. And the dog definitely is not democracy. It's not <laughs> fake democracy. It's a dictatorship. And uh, 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 Erdogan already stated he, he wants he wants to bring back the times of Ottoman Empire. You know. He wants to to be a, to he, he poses himself as the leader the leader of the Muslims, especially the Sunnis, you know. And I tell you, when when you have a politician, no matter if this politician is Muslim or Jewish or Christian or Buddhist, you name it. When you have a politician saying, uh, I represent my religion, I am listening to God, and God told me, 
keep, keep your red flag <laughs> right no i agree it's a red flag because now they're weaponizing and using religion uh to push their agenda absolutely exactly exactly and um it, it's very interesting uh i i i'm i'm unable i'm able to make a parallel between uh netanyahu's speech about hamas and uh uh Erdogan's speech about PKK is the same. Mm. I, I made a cartoon where Netanyahu is, is uh, driving uh, uh, by remote control uh, a bomber and say, we are cleaning the backyard, our backyard of, of uh, terrorists. And Erdogan doing the same against the Kurds, right. Netanyahu against like, Hamas and Palestinians, and uh, Erdogan doing the same against Kurds and PKK or any other resistant group, etc. We are cleaning our backyards, backyard of terrorists. And um, in my in my opinion, uh, Erdogan is the most dangerous person in whole Middle East because he's always waging war, no matter if and and against the Kurds. And the Kurd in the Kurd, uh, Kurdistan territory, uh, in Syria, in Libya, against the Greeks, the, he he tried to make some kind of uh, naval maneuvers in, in Cyprus. You know, he's always seeking for some front uh, 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 line. You know, he, he's always seeking for making war in some place. So. Um, what is more regrettable, more sad to see, is how our fellow Palestinians are being fooled by the Erdogan rhetoric. Because remember, when uh, Erdogan and Shimon Peres uh, were in a meeting uh, at Davos, remember this? Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a, a discussion between uh, 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 Shimon Peres and Erdogan about Gaza, another attack from right. Gaza. And he said, one minute, one minute, nee, nee, nee. and he, 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 he got bothered, he got angry and left the discussion. And when he arrived in, in, in Turkey, he was cheered as the hero of Palestinians. Yeah. Just for doing this, just for doing this, because uh, I remember when that that was that uh, um, uh, attack against Mavi Marmara, the, the the ship, the vessel of humanitarian aid to Gaza uh, that was intercepted by Israeli commandos, and nine citizens, uh, Turkish citizens, were killed. I remember that's quite clear. Erdogan say, I will, I will lead uh, 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 vessels from the Turkish Navy. I will lead personally uh, vessels to uh, Turkish vessels to Gaza to take uh, humanitarian humanitarian aid to Gaza. I gonna make it myself. Nothing happened. The only thing Erdogan has to offer to Palestinians are empty words. Because empty words. Empty words. Behind the curtain, Turkey and Israel are allies. Mm -hmm. well, sometimes not that under the curtain. Sometimes it's openly uh, allies, you know. Even now, now, even now, this, the Turkish um, uh, government is talking about normaliz normalization of relations with Israel, the same way uh, Israel made with Morocco, Sudan, Emirates, uh, Bahrain, etc. So Israel and Turkey, they have military cooperation. They have economic cooperation. And I try to explain this all the time to my, my Palestinian friends, I made I made many cartoons about this, but it's impossible to convince them because 
the religious ingredient blinds people. And Erdogan is very smart and he's always using this ingredient because he knows majority of people in Turkey and, and even in, uh, in Palestine, they are, they are, majority of them are Muslims. And when you, you say, for example, as Erdogan already said, uh, I, I talk directly to God. I got messages from God. I, I'm guided by God. It's enough to convince people who are blind by religion that Erdogan is the leader of the Sunni, the leader of the Muslims. He's guided by God, etc. And they are unable to see the reality. Erdogan is an ally of Israel. He he gonna he gonna make he don't plan to make uh, uh, any inch of real support for Palestinians. I mean, real support. And you know, Because, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. No, that's okay. I was just I was just gonna just add to your point. Um, Palestinians, not all Palestinians, but a lot of Palestinians and a lot of Muslims, but of course not all Muslims. Um, do fall for the propaganda that comes out of Turkey that Erdogan is some sort of caliphate savior of the Muslim world because of his alignment um, with the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, that's one major thing that we have to keep in mind. This Muslim Brotherhood ideology has spread in countries like Egypt, in Syria, um, and other countries in the Middle East as a form of savior to Muslims, okay, as a form of resistance. But in reality, but in reality, it actually deep, 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 deep down inside, if you get past all of the propaganda, it is a right-wing ideology and it's very much influenced by the West. I think people don't really understand that. Um, and the other thing is that I want to mention is that it's not just Erdogan as an individual who's been successful. It's through his means of communication in the Middle East. Turkish soap operas are one of the largest propaganda arms of the state of Turkey. There was a study, uh, I believe it was released maybe seven years ago, that showed how Turkey improved its image in the Muslim world by broadcasting and you know broadcasting Turkish soap operas. Every <laughs> person in the Middle East is addicted to Turkish soap operas. And it depicts Turkish society and the Turkish leadership in a very, very positive light. And also it depicts the Ottoman Empire as a very positive. But the Ottoman Empire, just like any empire throughout world history, has committed egregious human rights abuses and crimes. Just because they were so-called Muslims does not make them saviors or did they bring a lot of good like a lot of empires did yes they had a lot of inventions and cool things that they brought to society but they also at the end of the day were a military empire <laughs> and military empires tend to commit uh, a lot of genocides. and so that, that I, just, i just wanted to point out the soap opera aspect i know we don't talk about that a lot but that's actually a huge arm of the turkish propaganda machine and let me tell you something Erdogan is really serious about his support of Palestinians. He can make something very, very simple. Cut diplomatic and military ties and economic ties with Israel. It, it doesn't need to wait. Oh, he lost to Carlos. <laughs> it, no, it's very simple. You don't need to bother. We lost you for about 20 seconds. Can you say that again, Carlos? We lost you for 20 seconds. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was telling you, um, uh, it, it's not necessary to wage a war against Israel uh, or drop bombs on the, in, in Tel Aviv. Just cut ties, cut diplomatic, economic, and military ties with Israel. That's all. If What? Erdogan make this, I'm going to start to believe on Erdogan. Otherwise, it's empathy rhetoric to please the Palestinians. That's all. That's absolutely right. And Carlos, we're just we're just running out of time here. We just have like a, a couple more minutes. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Uh, yeah, I, it's been a pleasure, honestly. We we me and you could talk for a very long time. We talk like all the time, so we could go on and on. And on. What what sort of advice do you give other aspiring cartoonists? Because I know that um, you know 
your cartoons have made waves and, and I know there's a lot of people, young people that are aspiring to become cartoons, just like you, you've inspired them. What advice do you give them? Uh, do, do, you want to know, do you want to know my inspiration? Say that one more time. Do you want to know my inspirations? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I used to say I had basically three, three inspirations. Uh, Louis Hamaker, uh, who, uh, who was a, a Belgian cartoonist, if I remember well, uh, from the World War I. He has a very classic style. It's not comical. It's a very serious, very deep, very strong uh, strokes, you know, the, the, the drawing is very bold. I like this style, and he was a very uh, acid, uh, critical of the Germans in that time, the World War I. Uh, Joe Sacco, uh, which, who's a, a comic comics writer, a journalist, uh, who made uh, a, an extensive uh, comics books on Gaza and Palestine. And Najee Al-Ali, uh, who was uh, a Palestinian, uh, preeminent Palestinian um, uh, political cartoonist assassinated in London. And I hope sometimes people tend to compare me to Najee Al-Ali, and I hope not to have the same fate. <laughs> but... Uh, those three uh, artists uh, inspired me a lot. Of course, along my career, I got other uh, inspirations, but these three uh, artists uh, were my main inspiration for political cartoon. So that's the advice I would give them, is to follow your inspiring uh, fellow artists. My advice? Yes. Is that your advice to them, is to follow your inspi inspirations? Uh, well, it's it's more than it's more like a warning than, than an advice. <laughs> it's more than uh, much more like a, a warning. Uh, watch out! If you want to be a political cartoonist, prepare yourself for the worst. You need to be uh, sure your historical debt as a political cartoony, cartoonist. Uh, to make political cartoons is not like making Japanese manga, Japanese comics, silly stuff. It's something uh, that will hit someone, that will hit the, 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 um, the, the, the world leaders, the parties, the government. Uh, you, you must understand in the hands of a cartoonist, this is an AK, AK-47. So you need to, to be very serious, to, to, to understand uh, seriously your duty as a political cartoonist when you have this uh, in your hands. You must to have responsibility and you must to have courage. Once you decide to become a political cartoonist, never step back. Okay, nobody is perfect. Sometimes we make uh, uh, mistakes. Be ready for, apologize for mistakes. But you need to learn when people are accusing you in a, in a dishonest way. And you need to be prepared not step back and to fight back. And right. to realize your historical duty as a political uh, cartoonist, especially when people are following you and people are using your cartoons in posters and placards, when they are using your cartoons as uh, weapons, you have a responsibility. You, you have to, to have courage to face your detractors. That's such... A beautiful, beautiful analogy, Carlos, to say that the power of the pen, your pen, is more powerful than an AK-47, or it is your AK-47. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, it's, it's yes, your, your missile for peace.
Um, Carlos, it's been such an honor doing this live stream with you. Uh, I had so much fun. I learned so much from you. I'm sure that our viewers learned so much from you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, Mina, it was, uh, yeah, I, I call you Mina, but Mina. <laughs> Mina, yes, it's okay. It's totally okay. It was really nice to talk to you. Uh, yes, we worked together uh, for, for a long time, and it's the first time we are talking. Mm, a long con we have a long conversation, and it was really nice to, to stay here and talking to you, and I'm always at your service. Thank you very much for your kindness, and thank you very much uh, for your effort, efforts as uh, the editor of an alternative media uh, which is fighting daily the lives of the mainstream media. So I'm very glad to work with you, to be with you in this in this strange fighting this this war against thank you very much that, that's that's a huge honor to hear uh, coming from you carlos you're a huge inspiration to us and we obviously for those watching uh, you can find carlos latouf's cartoons on mitpress news and on wonder wise and if you follow him on twitter um, he does do cartoons for other uh, independent and alternative media outlets um but that's a wrap for this live stream uh we were live on youtube on twitch and on facebook um this will be um, up on our YouTube channel within 24 hours. It is on our Facebook channel. But if you prefer to, see, to hear this as a podcast, uh, it will be available on Spotify if you search for Mintcast um, on Spotify and on iTunes. And finally, if you enjoyed this conversation, we ask that you support us on Patreon um, if you can follow Mint Press News there. So thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day.